recorded live. Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christogenia Saturdays. Praise Yahweh. Today is Saturday, June 16th, 2012. I'm sorry, I'm totally losing track of the dates. Tonight I'm still in Saline, Louisiana, at the home of Don and Diane Brown, having a wonderful time with my gracious hosts. And um, no, 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 nothing eventful today. We, we met a fellow Christian identity brother in, in a flea market here in, in Saline today. And, and um, of course, Don already knew him. But, and, and we had a short discussion with him, but, but it was nothing really eventful. I didn't get to accost any Baptist pastors in the street. It may have been fun. There's always tomorrow, tomorrow Sunday. That's a good day to do that here in Louisiana. So, so I might have another chance yet. Tonight, I have Severus with me, and, and um, we're going to talk about white nationalism, and, and we're going to, I believe, discuss what we think that white nationalism, that those words should mean when we hear them, what those words should mean to us, what um, feelings and ideas those words should evoke. We also um, plan on talking about the common ground that identity Christians and white nationalists should have with each other. And I want, to, I want to, before I discuss nationalism, I want to give a few definitions. And first, this is from the, um, the New College Latin and English Dictionary by John C. Troutman, who's supposedly a PhD, I guess. And um, the word nation comes from this Latin word, natio, or natio, and I would think that the ancient Romans pronounced it natio, with a hard T. And this word has never had anything to do with geography. To confuse a nation with a geographical area is a huge mistake that our people have always tended to make. For 4,000 years we've been making this error. A nation has nothing to do with the land that it occupies at any given time. A nation is a tribe, a people, a race, a stock, or a breed. A nation can be a subdivision of any particular race, but a nation can never be a collection of people from diverse races, and a nation can never be simply a, a geographical demarcation which is controlled by any particular government. Those things are not and never will be properly a nation. Actually, when a government rules over people of diverse nations, and this was true even in, old, in, in, in Roman times and, and in Greek times, when one government ruled over people of diverse tribes, whether or not they were of the same race, that was an empire. That's what imperialism is. It, it's one government ruling over many different peoples. That's not a nation. That's an empire. There's a word in the Bible, and, and that word is Gentiles. And the Gentilis, according to this New College Latin and English Dictionary, if I could find my place here, It's related to the word gens, which of course means a race. 
and I don't have my glasses on, and I'm just lost. I'm sorry about that. I'm lost. I can't find my dictionary. Now, I had, I, I had this, and I'm just totally lost. A gentilis is pertaining, no, no, Don, that's not it. A gentilis means of the same clan or race, and, and that's not that. I, I wanted to read Troutman first. A gentilis is family, hereditary, tribal, or nation, national. And, and then he has clansmen or kinsmen, and, and I don't really like Troutman's definition of gentilis because it doesn't quite hold it doesn't quite tell the whole story. Gentilis was defined by the Junior Classic Latin Dictionary published by Wilcox and Follett Company in 1945 to mean of the same clan or race. And definitions of gentilis in modern dictionaries have been watered down and that's because of the word's appearance, of, of the word Gentile, which was taken from the word Gentilis, of that word's appearance in the Bible. So the word Gentilis, its definition has been watered down in modern dictionaries for basically political and the, well neo-theological reasons. But a Gentilis, since gens is race in Latin, Gentilis is actually to be of the same clan or race. And I think that it's very telling when Jerome translated the Greek New Testament into Latin, the Greek of the New Testament into Latin for his Vulgate, that he did not choose the word natio to describe or to translate the Greek word ethnos, that he used the word gentilis. And that's telling because it reveals to me Jerome's understanding that the people who were the recipients of the Christian promises were actually of the same clan and the same race as the original Hebrews. One mistake that white nationalists make, and we're going to discuss this at length later tonight, is to accept the story of the Jews and, and what they say about the Bible. Actually, the people of Europe accepted the Christian message because they knew at one time, and they were taught by the apostles and, and, and the New Testament epistles prove this, that they were of the same clan or race as the original Hebrews, and they were supposed to be the recipients of these promises. We're going to talk, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk, I don't know about Severus, I'm sure he'll have um, additions and comments to make that are relevant, and they always are. I'm going to talk more about Christianity and nationalism later on tonight, but in the meantime, we're going to get on to our topic of um, what we believe nationalism is, and, and how you doing, Severus? It's good to have you here again. Hey, uh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure, and um, appreciate it. So what do we have? So, what, what, what would you like to say that, that – um, or where would you like to begin? Let's put it that way, because this is a pretty broad topic, right? Yes, it is. Um, and, and actually, that um, introduction is excellent, because um, by starting with this issue of uh, distinguishing between geography and, and uh, ethnicity and race, you're basically setting the, the groundwork for the basics of what white nationalism should be. But of course, this term itself is too broad. Um, I, I just want to add to what you were saying, which is that 
the, 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 the modern terminology that accepts the term nationalism per se, right? Um, in modern times, most, most scholars uh, basically ascribe the concept of nationalism, the modern conception of nationalism, to uh, Johann Gottfried Herder, German, well, technically he was Prussian, um, and he utilized the term nationalism to specifically refer to an ethnicity, but he also added to it um, music, um, you know, art, and, and geography. So he actually added geography to it, and this is important because of the significance of it eventually, right? Because by adding the concept of geography, uh, modern people cannot help themselves of still seeing it geographically. Now, of course, he's not really inventing anything. He's, like you said, he's, he's basically extending a view of, of what a nation is by, by adding the agricultural, this agrarian view of uh, the world, which is attached to land in a very a personal way, right? So by adding land, you're adding a personal dynamic to your culture and to the tribe, because tribes like to uh, conquer territories and claim them as, as theirs, and they usually add an element of, um, of morality to that land so they can have a, a, a more justified um, dynamic to the possession of that land. You know what I mean? So in other words, this land is part of my nationality because it's mine, and therefore you can't really take it that type of dynamic. Adding the geographical element to it um, psychologically makes them feel that there's a more um, legitimacy to it. And I think modern people do that. But what I did want to distinguish is between the, the French Revolution concept of nationalism, which is civic nationalism, versus ethnic nationalism. I think you would agree with me that uh, to begin with, um, we would have to all agree basically that what we advocate is ethnic nationalism and not civic nationalism, which is the social construct in which anyone who lives within a particular territory and, and speaks a particular language, doesn't matter where they're from, they're suddenly part of the civic culture and therefore they're part of the nation, right? And, and, and if, if you're a white nationalist and you actually agree with civic nationalism, you're not really a nationalist, right? <laughs> That's just what it is. Well, well, right, and Adolf Hitler, and he understood this definition, and, and he understood, and he actually explained in Mein Kampf that no matter how much of the German language you, you teach a Negro or a Chinaman, that can't possibly make him a German. And I think that we have to use the term ethnic nationalism today only because, as you explain, the word nationalism has come to mean something that, that it did not originally mean. And, and it's weird because ethnos is, is um, the Greek word for the same thing that nadio means in Latin. So ethnic nationalism is really a redundancy because ethnos is a clan, a tribe, a nation, a race, and, and all de, you know, derived from the same source or family or patriarch or however you would have it. And that's basically what Nadio always also means. So ethnic nationalism is really, sadly, a redundant term, and it shouldn't be even necessary. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's just what we've spoken about before, which is that, that because words are redefined and redefined and redefined, uh, we have two choices. We either uh, fight against it by utilizing these other, the, the original terms, or we kind of adapt by underscoring what we mean when we say nationalism. So, I mean, unfortunately, for, for whatever reason, the term ethnic nationalism would be a, a, a way to underscore the fact 
by saying ethnic, ethnic twice, right? <laughs> We're basically trying to underscore the fact that ethnicity is the center, the core of our nationalism, and that it, then it, it crosses this this um, this uh, fictitious conception of borders and this fictitious conception of geography, and it goes deeper into something uh, more profound. Um, so I think it's a, it's an appropriate way of defining it, and and stepping away from this French Revolution concept of um, of nationality, which is really what almost every single modern nation ascribes to. Almost every single modern nation is basically a civic national uh, French revolutionary bastard child, right? And 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 therefore we live in that context. So we're basically trying to use the, the, the terms that they stole from us and, and, and kind of reuse them and, and redefine them so people understand them in a more appropriate way. Well, well, right. Here in America, I would say that the ideals of the French Revolution were summed up and, and expressed in the 14th Amendment. Well, when, yep. when the, the, the aliens and the freed slaves, simply because they're born in, in exactly. any one of these United States, were automatically a citizen of the United States. And, and that was a horrible decision. Yeah, and I that, agree. The, the Greeks, the ancient Greeks, they distinguished in their language between the the um, the idea of geography and the idea of genealogy, and and I believe in the words um, nomos and ethos because the nomos nomos is a pasture and it's also a word used for law and, and the nomos I see is the law of the land right. And ethos is related to the ethnos, and, and that's the law of the people, right? That's the laws and the customs of the people that are handed down from generation to generation. And, and I think that those, that the existence of those terms in Greek and their relation to, the, to their root words, uh, I believe that's the expression in Greek of the separation of those two ideas. And, and they, they've been ideas that have been confounded by our people in the earliest times, and whenever we compound, confound those ideas, they end up being damaging to uh, our integrity as a racial unit. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, what, what's interesting is that, that and, and this goes further into, into the this, this separation between race and, and character, is that, that for example, uh, Johann Herder specifically um, mentioned geography, woods, mountains, deserts, rivers, climates. Then he went languages, inclinations, and characters. Now, to us, when we hear of characters, inclinations, and languages, specifically character um, we, and inclinations, uh, we particularly think within an ethnic context because we are racialists, right? So, so to us, when we hear character and inclinations, we automatically think of, for example, I think of a biological, automatically, I think of biological uh, inclinations. That's what I think of personally. Um, but, but, but the thing is, modernists don't, don't actually understand inclinations and characters that way. So they truly believe, guys like Pat Buchanan, right, which do write uh, excellent articles, etc., but they do believe that there is such a possibility as taking someone from a foreign nation, a foreign race, and somehow inculcating in them, right, teaching them the character and the inclination of the geographical nation to which they come in, right? So, that, in other words, you can integrate them by teaching them character and teaching them a particular inclination, and somehow they become part of the nation. Now, obviously, that's a fallacy, but that comes to the, the initial value, which I, would, I actually made a list of, of the things that I find interesting, and the first one is 
a basic understanding of racial reality, of, 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 of the, the separateness, the, the distinctness of race and of ethnic groups. And this distinctness um, then stops you from accepting the idea that it is possible to somehow inject and somehow teach the inclinations and the characters of a particular ethnicity or a particular race. Well, well, yeah, yeah, right. That is interesting, and and it has has that you know outside of white people. I, I mean, when we brought um, in in America, my, my my experience is American, right? And I understand that your experience is more European than, than mine. But but my experience in America is that well, when you had homogenous people coming in, you, you could forge a, a common cause and a common nation. From those homogenous people, you had Germans and, and um, Franks and Englishmen and Scots and Irishmen over here at the earliest times, and, and they could get together and come to an agreement to, to rebel against the English monarchy and forge this nation, and, and because they were all of basically... Um, closely related and agreeable stock, and because they were all, no matter what flavor of Christianity, they were all for the most part Christians and had a common um, moral background and a common moral foundation and religious foundation, they could come to those agreements and, and, and act as a, a unit and, and as a, you know, they could become a nation. Or, or a the collection of state nation states that this mm-hmm. America was formed on, but but that can't be once you add people who are aliens in civilization and in blood and race that that just never works. Has that ever worked in history, where you have actually taken aliens from another race and and language and religion and brought them into your nation and your nation has been able to sustain its level of civilization uh, i mean we have a long chain of broken empires that have done just that right yeah that's e- egypt and assyria and and greece and and rome and, and they all fell apart because those diverse peoples could not get along together and, and did not have common interests and goals and and did not create a a solid union now, that's the way i look at history Yes. No. No. And 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 actually, and actually, uh, you'll see that that's actually in my list as well. Because, but but first of all, let's let's address that first aspect. Because there there's um uh, just just to be clear, I have a, a a very particular social Darwinist, and I use that term very uh, very particularly, but I'm using it on purpose because uh, you know I, I, we talk about it, everyone has different definitions and things, but I have a very particular biological way of seeing racialism and race. And for example, if you take an Irishman and you cross him and you put him in Germany, he starts speaking German, and he's adopted, um, the population is not going to notice automatically that he's Irish necessarily by just looking at him, right? So his integration into that society is very easy because there's not a physical um, characteristic that automatically stands him out as, a, as alien. Do you understand what I mean? And that reality allows um, that type of cross-cultural, even in, in, it goes back to this, what we're saying, geographical definition of ethnicity, it's a lot easier when you can cross people like that, right? But once you add someone who clearly is distinguishable biologically, racially, by looking at them, then you automatically cannot integrate them. 
because they are simply alien. And it doesn't matter what language they speak. It doesn't matter how they dress. You can put a tie on them. It doesn't matter because they're clearly identifiable as a, as a type. And, 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 and it works both ways. Not only can he not be integrated, but the type himself is going to feel that he doesn't belong because no one looks like him, that type of thing. So that dynamic can never work uh, for that biological reason because they're, dead part or not, they're not part of that race. And that's actually my point. My point is that if you understand racial reality, um, and then you understand that you cannot um, integrate these groups uh, together, and you have to understand that reality means differences, and these differences are of character and of inclinations, but they're inherent in these groups. They're not something that you can teach or learn, but that these characteristics are inherent in them. By now, by, well, well, first, I, I have two responses to that. The first one, and, and um, it is really just a... a um, a casual observation. I mean, it's a it's a plain observation. I couldn't shouldn't call it casual. If if you allow that group or, or that individual to remain in the nation and to commingle with the original members of the nation, it changes forever the character of the nation, and yeah. eventually the character and 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 the um, biological integrity of the entire nation could possibly be destroyed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, of I course. mean, it, absolutely. You you lose thousands of years of of genetic um, of gen, genetic specialization, right? And and, yeah. and good breeding, as they may call it. Well, well, the um, it, it seems to me, and we should know this by now, by this point in our history, it, it's very observable that wherever we bring Mexicans, we end up with Mexico. Wherever we bring Chinamen, we end up with China. Wherever we bring Africans, we end up with Africa. And when we look at Mexico and China and Africa and compare them to European and North American civilization, it's a a horrendously degrading effect that it has bringing all these people into our white nations. And and that's pretty plain, I I mean. It's pretty transparent, transparent, but not only that. See, the thing is, I always make this joke, but it's to highlight this point, which is that the, the continent of Africa, geographically, is a spectacular continent. So the issue is not the, the geography, it's not the mountains, it's not the rivers, right? It's the people in it, right? The people are the, the, the ones that make what they have, right? I mean, they have a mind, they have, they, they're incapable of using that territory in an effective way, because the issue of the African, I'm using that term lightly, right, because you do have such a thing as sub-Saharan Africans, different than, for example, the North Africans. But we can go into that later. But the point is the sub-Saharan African, the issue is that he takes Africa with him, what we call Africa. He's basically taking it with him. Wherever he goes, he makes a little Africa, because what he is is what he is, irrespective of geography, irrespective of resources, irrespective of how many mountain ranges they move into. Because it is them, it is not the mountain range. That's, why, that's the ridiculousness of the issue of geography. Because the, 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 the mestizo mongrels who live in Mexico, right? They, the Mexico is not screwed because they have such a horrible uh, geography. <laughs> it's because they live there. And the evidence of this is when they move to our territory, they turn it into the same thing. Which proves that it's not an issue of geography or an issue of our resources, it's an issue of their character. Well, well yeah, absolutely. Sure. And... and- and the um, I'm sorry, Mike from ProSync is also here, and he joined us at least a few minutes ago. And if he wants to comment, Mike, hello, Mike. Hey, yeah, I, I had a problem the first couple of minutes. The cell phone wasn't uh, 
you'd hit the number for the show. I wasn't reading the tones. Anyways, I got onto Skype here. I, I want to make a, a quick turn, um, comment about when you guys were talking about nationalism and the definition of it earlier and, and put it just more in the layman's terms. You know, you see this, and obviously here in this country, it's, it's a little different situation because you had a multi-European uh, backing here that became different cultures of Europe here. But, you know, for instance, in in certain countries, and well, not all countries in Europe, but for that matter now, you'll see this happening where the, the definition of nationalism it turns into just strictly geographical means instead of racial or, or genetic genes, which is what it's supposed to be. And, you know, like, for instance, I'm watching uh, one of the YouTube videos where they're showing these protests in Ireland, and they're standing outside of the Parliament building, what have you, fighting for so-called immigration rights. And the, you see these these people from Somalia and different African countries, and, of course, there's Jewish cohorts that are they're feeding them this, too, saying that, you know, our kids were born in Ireland, so they're Irish now. You know, this is, this is an absolute asinine thing here to, to buy the fact that you were born geographically somewhere, you're that person now. And I saw this just to, earlier today, too, in, in uh, they had a video on RT that recently came out talking about the NPD is rising and nationalism is rising. And, and of course, all the communists and the Antifa are coming out and feeding that. If you No matter where you come from, if you're in Germany now and you're a citizen, you're a German. Well... You kind of you completely defile the lines of what actual a German is. A German isn't because I mean, if you look a hundred years ago, look at what Greater Germany was. You know, in Poland and, and what have you there. So, are you if your parents were born in where what Germany was in Poland uh, 120 years ago? Are you now Polish or are you German? So that's you guys are doing a good point in that. I just I guess would highlight it in layman's terms that you know that this idea of nationalism is not. This borderline that says, "Oh, well, you're here, you're this now," and we certainly see that it's been a huge mess in, in America for the most part. Yes, yeah, civic nationalism is one of our biggest enemies. So, therefore, conservative nationalism, which is basically civic nationalism, is one of our biggest enemies because they have uh, acquired the term and, and actually have a particular opinion about this. Because I hate republicanism. And I mean republicanism in the traditional sense of the word. Like what republicanism is, the idea of republics, I hate it. And, and so, therefore, I have a particular view of it because I think republicanism, liberalism, they're all together. They, they all come together in the same pot, um, and they all advocate this concept of civic nationalism. And it is one of our biggest enemies because they, have, they, they define the term of uh, nationalism as a geographic and also ideological context and uh, that obviously we're against. So... So that's that's true. Yeah, I I have to at work all week long. I, I have the the honor of listening to uh, strictly FM radio, and so I listen to all these conservative pukes. And when you're listening to them all week, you're just hearing what their their uh, so-called counterpart leftists are saying, but in in a light sense, you know, it's just like hardcore communist, light communist. I mean, it, it it's funny because these clowns all day will tell you how. You, know, you get the Rush Limbaugh's, your Michael Savage, and then of course all the local conservatives and such. And they're not saying anything different. There's really no defining lines between the two. And we're sure, all of us know this that it's you know two birds of the same, uh, two birds of a feather here. Uh, but um, yeah, it's it's this. You got to love the fact that how they run from the term racism. They run all day. And what's this new deal? It's not new. It's been going on for a few years for sure now. But this idea that if you have racial views, 
now the, all the Ku Klux Klan used to be democratic, and, and now you're a democrat if you're a racist or a hater, right? Like the conservatives, we love everybody. We're just a big melting pot, but those democrats, those are the true racists. And I and I think what they're trying to do is skew these lines. And and Korskin and I talked about this in one of the shows we did together where we had, we had said that the, the natural sense of a European person in a homogenous society is to help out his fellow man or you know, a woman to help pick him up because you know more or less they're going to be capable of still providing in a society, whereas in this society that we have now that's completely multicultural, everybody wants to run the libertarianism because it's still safe. You're not really saying, hey, I don't want to be paying for all these idiots that are coming over here from third world non-white countries. I want them to be able to they just pick up their own boots for themselves. But I think that's where these so-called conservatives are trying to say anybody with racial views. Now, you used to be called what just as early as the 90s, or you know, as far back as the 90s here, we were the extreme right. We were the right-wingers and what have you, and now we're left-wingers. <laughs> it, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's kind of funny how they just skew it and hijack stuff and spin it, but you know, the, like I said, like you're saying, the conservative uh, movement out there, you know, well, you have heard you say a lot of times, both of you guys, you know, what are they trying to conserve? Where, where are their values that they supposedly stand for? It's just, you know, void of anything. So, so what should, how should we define nationalism? I mean, nationalism has to be defined today as racialism. It has, but but racialism even doesn't really um, define nationalism by itself. Because nationalism is actually um, an allegiance or an alliance or, or a, a kindred love for those of your own nation, and, and that could exclude people of other nations of your own race even. So, so nationalism isn't really a good term in, in, yeah. in that sense. I mean, a yeah. German nationalist, what would not have much love for poles, right? Yeah, and, and I, I, yeah, I agree. I, I agree. That's why I have written. The, the other thing I had written to that, that I just thought about was this issue of defining white, because I was going to define we were going to define na- nationalism and white, because in the moment that you say ethnic nationalism, you're absolutely correct. That means that the Basque have a particular ethnic interest. And it's separate, right, because ethnically they are different, for example, than the, an Irishman. And the Irishman is different than a German. So, yes, it does create a separateness within uh, the European white context. Although, I, must, I have to be clear, I do believe that there is, there is such a thing as ethnicities. And I, I'm not one of these guys that's kind of like, a, like an egalitarian white nationalist that believes that every race, every ethnicity is the same thing. And why, why don't we just adopt like a common language or something like that? But, um, but I do understand that in this moment, there should be a pan-European movement, a pan-white movement. I think that's why the term white in front of the word nationalism, although it's an oxymoron because if you think about it, it's, it's a weird way of defining it. I think it expresses this, this pan, what some people used to call pan-Aryan, right? Um, but pan, uh, pan-European, pan-racialist idea, which is to put the term white, which is very a vague term, and put it in front of nationalism, I think may express this issue. So, so white nationalism can't really be in the, in the true sense. In, in, in the true sense, it makes no sense because there's no um, 
white nation that they exactly. set apart or, or that's dis, or that's white um, exclusively of other white nations, right? I mean, it, it has it has the word nationalism has to be understood in the plural. That when we say white nationalism, that that should be a a, um, a, a kindred feeling of allegiance towards all white people of any white nation. Exactly. Yeah. And I, you know, I have to throw this in, and, and I was talking to Mark Downey, who's actually been involved in, in the white racialist movement a lot longer than I have, and um, he, he explained, and I don't know if you're going to agree with this or not, Corsican, because I don't know where you first heard the term white nationalism, right? But the first time he heard the term white nationalism, and in the United States, the all of the um, groups that we consider would consider white nationalists originally they were all Christian groups. The, the Ku Klux Klan was Christian, and, and the, the Christian Patriots of, of the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, Christian Identity, and and um, what which at one time was a lot bigger out west, I think, than it might even be today. And, and these were all all of the that they considered themselves not white nationalists, but they considered themselves Christian. Patriots, and, and and with the uh, of course the 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 white part was entirely inferred by that, and, and the um, the term white nationalist came into his purview with Don Black and David Duke on Stormfront when they started using that term instead of the idea of Christian patriotism, so that they could broaden their umbrella and attract um, racialists that weren't necessarily Christians. You know, that's interesting because I've been around uh, somewhat active for 20 years, I would say, or, uh, yeah, something like that, or like uh, 18 or something. Um, and the the first time I heard, well, first of all, the first time I ever read the term white in a racialist context, because I remember that it used to be, uh, I used to hear the term racial socialism, and also national socialism used to be uh, synonymous with what people would call today national socialism. So I remember that you would say, oh, I'm a national socialist, basically meant I'm white and I'm a racialist, <laughs> and, and that's it. And national socialism just meant that, right? And the term white nationalism is like completely foreign to me. Um, uh, guys like Ben Clausen, for example, started writing con books about the term white and trying to utilize the term white as a very open-ended term and refusing to use terms like Aryan and refusing to use these words that, that at the time, like in the 70s, were considered to be divisive because the term Aryan for some reason was seen as, as uh, either too Indo-European, thus excluding traditional Europeans, or being too like Nordicist and thus excluding other groups, that type of thing. Um, but it is true that, for example, in the South, that the term white would be more logical and connected with you know, white Christian, you know, white Christian civilization, that type of thing, because... Uh, for the same reasons that you were discussing and, and Mike was discussing, right, that, that you have a conception of identity in the United States of diverse ethnicities from Europe that when faced with non-whites directly, like African slaves, they consider themselves white, and, and therefore they have this new identity, which is almost pan-European. They well, yes, I'm half, half Irish. Remember the, the joke that I'm a quarter Irish, a quarter German, a quarter, that type of dynamic that, that that you are basically this, this amalgam of ethnicities, but you're white. Whereas in Europe, you don't have that because you had, for example, in Germany, you have the Christian socialists, 
Um, and, and a lot of national socialists came from the Christian socialists um, historically. Um, but to them, saying Christian socialists was automatically also thought of as a German thing. And Germ Germ Germany was uh, the Germanic concept was an ethnic concept and was racial, but it was racial within the context of Germany. It was not racial in a pan-racial view, right? Hitler was more advanced, but in general, most Europeans saw themselves within a specific local context, within an ethnic context, and they did not see themselves as pan-white or like a white race type of thing, right? Well, well, right, exactly. It, it's um, pan white, and and Stormfront. First, I I think that they in in America, and I can only speak for for America. First, they they sought to, and I'm talking about Don Black and David Duke and those people. First, they sought to include whites of all religions in the idea of white nationalism, and 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 that, from from a secular viewpoint, that's fine. But that that shouldn't uh, I mean that shouldn't lead us to accept Jews as white and and things like that. However, then they sought to widen the definition of what white was, and and they still do that today. And I I don't think for that reason that they should be held ever held as any model, and David Duke should never be held as any model um, <laughs> yes. definition of what white is. I mean David Duke just has some wrong ideas and. Simply because he has a name doesn't mean that uh, that that he has a good idea in, in everything that he says and and his idea of what is white I have to strongly disagree with. Yeah, of course. I mean, but that's the thing. Um, um, going back to to civic nationalism, the thing is, that civic nationalism promotes the, this this revolutionary idea, which is the, the concept of popular sovereignty. And popular sovereignty within civic nationalism literally meant anyone within that geography that accepts the basic ideological premises of that geography and of that state is a member of that state and therefore has a sovereignty within the state. And as you know, traditional societies, which were primarily monarchical, and when I say monarchical, I'm, monarchical literally means rule of one because it was seen as a pater familias, right? This patriarchal concept of, of, uh, of, of a nation in which you had a, a father-type figure, a father-ruler, who basically had a, a particular ethnos, right, that he ruled over, and it was seen as his family. And within that, that particular traditional context, the idea of popular sovereignty was ridiculous because there was only ethnic sovereignty, not popular sovereignty within the civic national thing, right? Um, and I think that the French Revolution had that impact in our minds because by by defining nationalism as the the rule of the popular rule, it has some implications that I think are pretty bad. And I think almost every, every single thing of modernism and republicanism comes from from this redefining of what ethnos and nation is into this unique uh, kind of ideological perspective. That if you just ad adopt uh, the the discourse of the of, of the elite. Because really, what people call republicanism, it's just a type of oligarchy. Um, if you accept it, then you're part of the nation, and then you can be—you have some type of sovereignty, right? Um, but you know, Bill, in the, in the list that I made, I ended up with six points, right? I actually ended up with six basics. You well, well, can we go? Can we make one more? One more? I'm sorry. Can we make one more digression before you? Yes, of course, of course. Get onto your list of six basic points. And, and um, that digression is this, and, and you raised a point earlier in, in your most recent discourse that um, the, 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 the 
you know, you, you raise the relationship of the nation to the state, that, that mm-hmm. the people in a nation, geographic nation, who subscribe to the, um, the, the ideals of the nation and the state, right? And, and that's another great point of confusion on, on, on the part of most people is that basically the state is the nation, and, and that's just incredible, but a lot of people have that idea, whether they only have it in, in like an inferred sort of way or, or an explicit sort of way is immaterial. Many people, when they think of a nation, think of the state, and Adolf Hitler explained at great length that the state and I'll put it on in, in New Testament terms, that the state exists for the sake of the nation, meaning the ethnic nation, and, and not the ethnic nation for the, state of the, for the sake of the state. The ethnic nation is not a product of the state. The state should be a product of the ethnic nation, and therefore a true state can only serve the, the um, purposes of the ethnic of the people, of the ethnic nation. And today we've come to see all states as basically imperiums, have we not? I mean, yeah. every state yeah. is today seen as its own imperium, that people of any race who happen to live in that geographical area can participate in the politics of the state, which is sort of like in charge or, or in command or has control of that geographical area. So, so basically, that's the ideal. Um, well, well, first, it's the ideal political structure for the Jew, right? right? It really is. Of course, but because of <laughs> every state is like a, 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 a department, a, a departmental bureaucracy that has no more attachment to, to the people which to, and and the the organic nation that that actually created it in the first place. It, it's wow. It's crazy. It's destructive. It, it's it, it's um. We we see these states as as basically the nations. It, it's I, I can't. It's hard to quantify how screwed up that is. Well, it is, From, it, and and that's why I'm such a huge critic of republicanism. Uh, because republicanism, which is basically a perversion of the ancient concept of republic, of the republic, like in Athens, etc., because these republics are not what these guys made, right? We're talking about a completely different planet, right? Because even Athens, there was not a, like a like a freaking egalitarian state, right, where everyone was like doing referendums on whether or not they should wear pink or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it was not the world that they imagined. Um, these, these states were actually ran like traditional societies. But aside from that, republicanism, that's what they do. They, they basically um, uh, promote the idea of popular sovereignty because it sounds good, but what they're really doing is basically uh, whitewashing power. They're basically uh, redirecting power from the traditional uh, structure of society, which is ethnically oriented, and they're redirecting it into a, a, a a group of people that are spread out, they're difficult to identify, they have no responsibility, something that, that Hitler spoke in Mein Kampf, right, that, that by, by investing power and kind of spreading it around, the people believe they have power, but they really don't, and you have a group of people that no one knows who the hell they are controlling the nation, and they're, and they're basically like an outsider, any outsider group can run the nation, and they can redefine borders, they can redefine concepts of language, they can redefine who's a member and who's not, and it's all based on a passport. If you have a passport of China, you're Chinese, that type of thing, um, because they redefine the concept of nation. 
and it did this in the 1700s and the 1800s. And I mean, it's not that old. It's actually pretty new, but it has basically taken over the world. But because we, we because um, I, I want to say practically all people, practically all people everywhere are so um, inept at understanding these terms and their true meanings, for, for that reason, we're so easily manipulated. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Also, also because people are, are the, the, uh, most people that are you know, educated on these things are very easily manipulated by wishful thinking and by um, uh, these, these, these personal views of victimhood, right? In other words, if you tell someone, oh, don't you want to have sovereignty yourself? Don't you think you should have a voice? And, and that's that, you can really manipulate people really easily with these things, right? In other words, that's what corporations do, like American corporations, like McDonald's, right? You go, you go start working there and say, hey, if you work hard for us, one day you'll be the CEO. You could, or, I mean, you can at least be one of the board members, and you have a lot of influence. You'll be a tough guy in the company. You'll make decisions. And people eat that up. They think, oh, that's wonderful. I'm going to be an important guy in the McDonald's structure. I mean, because people believe these stupid things, and they believe the same thing in the concept of government. They truly believe that they somehow have this participatory interest, almost like they own stock in, the, in this civic ideological experiment called the Republican uh, uh, nation, right? I mean, it's, it's crazy, but people are really easily manipulated by those things. And, and the true state, the true state, and, and I believe that Adolf Hitler actually defined the true state, even though I may not be able to summarize it at, as succinctly as I would like to, the true state is meant it is a product of an ethnic national people and is only meant and can only truly, if it's to operate as a proper state, serve the interests of the ethnic nationalist people, the ethnic national people who, who and I'm using that redundancy, right, so there's no confusion, like you said. And, and the true state can only serve the interests of the ethnic national people who form that state. And if... As soon as they start serving the interests of aliens, that they become an imperium, they become an empire, and they actually, it, it would actually, that state would actually betray the people who first formed it. Of course, and it's the beginning of the end, too. I mean, the moment that that occurs, it is the beginning of the end. And the moment that that occurs, you can, you can just predict it automatically. It's the end. It's the beginning of the end. It can last 100 years, it can last 200 years, it can last whatever, but it's the beginning of the end. You, you cannot sustain that system because not only do you create resentment with, with the, the original population because you have these, these, these aliens that suddenly are running you and telling you what to do and, and, and vice versa, right? <laughs> you have this, this power coming over to your land and telling you what to do. And, and, you and resentment, yeah. And that is why what we have in, in, in America, but also all over Europe, right? Because Europeans have no freedom. They have no freedom of speech. They have less freedom than we have here in America. They have no right to bear arms. They're pushed around. They're told what to do. They're told what to believe. I mean, that's the way I see it, especially in Britain and in Germany. Well, um, that, that's why a state, as soon as a state begins to serve the interests of aliens, rather than of the, the, the organic nation, the, the ethnic nation that created that state, it automatically develops into a tyranny. It's naturally inevitable for that state to develop into a tyranny because it has to force people 
who are disparate in nature, who are different in interest, it has to force them to live together peace. And, and that needs, it, it's the inevitable result is tyranny every time. It's, I think, it's absolutely unavoidable. That's what I think. T- tonight's topic is um, is is quite a daunting task, but it's going to be a, you know it's a good topic. Is you know the definition of white nationalism and how you define that? What is white? What is nationalism? In a sense, because you do have a lot of groups out here that had a, a wide range varying on what that term means to them. I mean, it's like we were saying earlier. You have your your pure Nordicist or you have the ones out there that you got to have blue eyes, blonde hair to be considered white, and you have some that, you know, say that someone from Greek that's got half Arab in it is is white, and, and so on and so forth. But to define quote unquote white nationalism is uh is certainly a difficult task in itself. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's hear Corsican's um Severus's six points. That that'll be interesting. Okay. okay. Yeah. The first. Let me address that really quickly because I think that's interesting. I think the solution to this issue is actual traditional ethnic nationalism. I'm talking about traditional ethnic nationalism, not this white nationalist concept, which is like the pan-European concept. I'm talking about the traditional one. And I've spoken with this uh, with you, uh, Bill, before, which is that even if you define white in any way you wish, let's say that you are one of the find that some um, uh, Southern Italians, and, and, and I'm using that very lightly because it's actually unfair. You do have, like, for example, a family from Northern Italy. This, this, the same problem with geography, confusing geography. Because uh, a guy from, from Germany can move into Southern Italy, their children are born there, are they selling Italians, and suddenly now they're not white. I mean, this is a complicated issue. That's why you cannot confuse geography with race. But let's just make the assumption that you have someone who is olive-skinned, um, that you traditionally would say he's white, but you may have some doubt, right? But well, the point is that traditional ethnic nationalism solves this issue because those people would stay among themselves and they would not take a plane, go to Sweden, and start uh, uh, you know, mixing themselves with the Swedes, right, and, and vice versa. So traditional ethnic nationalism could be a way of sustaining different ethnicities in the state that they are now, whether or not you believe that they're in a bad state or a good state or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, uh, allow them to, to, to have a pan-European conception of their history because they also serve as a buffer for other nations. In other words, you don't want Greece to be like a liberal state. And, and even if you think the Greeks are not the whitest people on the planet, it's irrelevant. You're fine if they marry among themselves and they protect their culture and they don't allow uh, aliens to go through their territory to come to ours, right? So I think traditional ethnic nationalism would probably solve this issue and not be that complicated. But, um, so because I'm not a fan of eroding the character of European ethnicities. And, of course, this is a, I guess it's a European conception of it, but I don't like it. I don't think that the Basque should be destroyed by having thousands of Germans move in and so this ethnicity dies out because, uh, because of, for the sake of pan-Europeanism. I think that's ridiculous. Um, and, and vice versa, too, right? Um, let me give you what I, I, I did a list trying to basically say, okay, what, I, I don't care what you believe. If you don't believe in these things, then you're probably not, a, not in my my Camp, right? You're your problem, probably your problem. So I'll just go through it really quick. One, what I mentioned, the basic understanding of racial reality, right? A, a, a biological, and this has to be biological conceptually speaking, but it, 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 it boils down to the same thing. In other words, you understand race as a 
something that you were born with is not some some construct, right? It's the reality that is born with, that is a type that you're you, you're genetically connected to, right? And obviously, the outcome of this is the equality of races and ethnicities or whatever is a myth. Because if you agree that race is something inherent genetically, then you have to agree that equality is, is a fallacy, right? Um, so equality within the context of racial reality would be the first. If, if you call yourself a white nationalist, but you don't believe that race is a reality, a biological truth that is inherent, and that you believe that everything is equal, then you're an idiot, and therefore you're not a white nationalist in my opinion, right? I mean, that would be the first. The second would be that the white race is unique. And what I mean is, this is an outcrop of the first one, but the point is that if you call yourself a white nationalist, you should accept that the white race particularly is unique in history, that we have a particular background, a particular historical um, uh, pedigree that is unique and special. And, of course, you have to believe this if you want to protect it, because if, if you don't believe this, what's the point of protecting it? Let's be honest. If we're just the same thing as, a, as, as anything, as a dog, then there's no point, right? I mean, there's no point protecting it because it's not special. So that would be the second requirement. The third would be that if you agree with these two other terms, then you must see history and civilization. And almost everything involved in the study of history and everything involved in civilization and everything involved in almost every aspect of reality within the prism of race, right? You have to see it within the context of race. You have to look at Egypt and say, okay, Egypt, how does race play a part, right? In other words, you have to put race at the center, the center, the core of your view of reality. And if you don't see reality within that prism, then you have a problem. You're not really a white nationalist because you're going to be disjointed, right? Psychologically, it's going to be disjointed because you, you, you believe that there's race, but somehow race didn't play a part in history, that would be ridiculous. So I think that's a, that's a core value. The fourth would be that for all these other previous reasons, then race mixing is genocide, right? Because if we are special, if uh, history and civilization is basically the core is race and race exists, then mixing race is a genocide. So therefore you cannot be a white nationalist and have a Chinese girlfriend or some Arab whatever because it, it would be ridiculous. If you believe these things are the way they are, then race mixing is wrong. Period, and I would even extend. You could even extend it a little bit more. Uh, uh, social uh, fraternizing with uh, non-whites would be a problem too. But but we don't even have to take it over there. The point is that you know race mixing itself is bad, right? The fifth would be the Jewish issue. In other words, Jews have to be understood as racially and ethnically foreign. You cannot see them as a branch of white people. You cannot see them as people that you can convert somehow, make them into something cool. No. You have to see them as outsiders because they are outsiders. And if you don't see Jews as outsiders and you see them as insiders somehow, which will be a crazy view, right? If you see them, then you are basically putting the, the news around your neck from the beginning <laughs> because you're basically killing yourself by doing that. They are ethnically and racially different, and they consider them as racial, racially and ethnically different. Therefore, you cannot consider them as part of the movement. You cannot consider them as people that you can convert somehow into something acceptable. They are outside. And the sixth, this bill, I'll be interested to hear your opinion on this. I added this because I think it's crucial, but it, it might be something that you guys may want to maybe take out or not. I don't think you would, but I'm saying some people, which is patriarchy. I believe that to be a, 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 a logically re reasonable white nationalist, you have to believe in patriarchy. Patriarchy generally is defined. As, as the male acting as the primary authority figure 
and being the central, the core of the social organization. Now, of course, almost every single mammal has this system, right? I mean, lions, tigers, whatever. <laughs> well, well, we I mean, would never want to take that. A Christian identist or an identity Christian would never want to take out the idea of patriarchy. That of the, course, um, of course. No, of course. And I be, but I believe that every white nationalist has to agree. I mean, I'm Waltonist, whatever, would have to agree with this. Because if they don't agree with patriarchy, it doesn't matter what you call it. It could be like an atheist, whatever. If he doesn't agree that patriarchy, which is a natural institution, because animals have it, right? So it's not like it's, it's not something foreign, freakish, right? Uh, uh, creatures have it, right? Wolves have it. Well, uh, well isn't like Odin yeah. the All-Father? Exactly. He's a, he's a patriarch. He's like the uh, ultimate uh, freaking patriarch. <laughs> and well, and that's, that, that's also the Christian idea, right? <clears throat> exactly. You exactly. Can't, Christianity is patriarchal. A, a Christian must accept a patriarchal society or he's not a Christian. Lip exactly. service notwithstanding. Women don't exactly. belong as ministers, and that's just the way it is. If you exactly. think that women belong in control of communities and in control of families, you're simply wrong because it's not Christian at all. That the not, woman... Not only, yeah. Yeah, not only the, the woman, is not, it's unnatural. That's my point. <laughs> well, right. The woman has an extremely important role as the nucleus of the household and the raiser of the children and, and the provider of, of order in the house. And, and that's, uh, I would never take that away from a woman, but she must be subservient to the male, and it's the male who is the political creature and never well, the woman. I would even yes, take this offense a, a step further um, yes, and, and stop. Yes. You know, I, I definitely support the idea of patriarchy, but I would also say that, you know, this idea of this egalitarianism between men and women need to be squashed as well. I, I, you know, I don't believe that women are just, uh, they are equal but different. You know what I mean? That, that whole well, article, you'll hear a lot of people say that. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to discount, like, like Bill just said, I'm not trying to discount their important role. I mean, they are the carriers of our future generations. But, you know, to call me an elitist, whatever you want to call me, a chauvinist. But well, well I, no, that's true. That's true. Yeah, exactly. The, you know, whether you're Christian or nature's law. The idea of egalitarianism between men and women is basically a denial of the different roles that men and women should have in society. Yeah, egalitarianism in general is ridiculous because, again, it, it presumes equality in, of, of things when equality of nothing is real, right? Individuals, family members, uh, children, adults, women and men, races, ethnic groups. In other words, it's, uh, it's, it's predicated on a false presumption that, these, that such a thing as equality is actually exists and it's possible when it doesn't. The reason I add Patrick also is not only because well, everything, not only because it's natural, but also because it is part of our history. It doesn't matter when. I mean, you can look back and you'll see patriarchy, but also because patriarchy is efficient, because patriarchy allows us and, and promotes ideals, masculine ideals of uh, military prowess and uh, uh, defensive measures. Might and, is right. Uh, yeah, at certain levels of, 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 um, of uh, belligerency that are required in a masculine, uh, powerful society, that is what made that. That's basically the, the the reason why we are what we are in a lot of ways, right? So, in other words, that's the reason I included. So, I think those six, in my opinion, would be like what I would say. If you don't if you don't believe in these things, and you're a nut. But anything else, then we can we can maybe discuss it. But within patriarchy, within 
Jew, the Jewish question, the race mixing, the history uh, seen as through the right race, white race being unique, and admitting that the race is an important fact that it exists, I think with that, maybe that could be part of the, the basics I, would, I came up with as a, as a draft. I, yeah, I would say your fifth point there is would be almost one of the primary points. I mean, without that, because you have groups like that, you know, the EDL and Amran and so on and so forth, who who let who let the trash in the door. I mean, the worst of it, the worst of, in the, in the door and, and team up with them and and make no de, you know definitive definition that separates at all. Well, well, the fifth point, the fifth point. Well, yeah, you know, I got kind of sidetracked. Responding to the um, the, the um, demand patriarchy. for a patriarchy, yeah, you know that that the patriarchy has to exist in white nationalism, or, or you're not a yeah. white nationalist. Exactly, I, I can't I you, you, because you, you're not a white nationalist because you've shunned um, thousands of years of white tradition by and, and you have basically agreed with the Jew. It's the yeah. Jew <laughs> who has destroyed the patriarchy in our society. It's been the goal of the Communist Manifesto. It's the goal of the Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion. It's the teachings of the Frankfurt School. And, and, and they have all, through, throughout all this time, worked ever since the French Revolution but when they wanted to destroy the bourgeois family, that they sought to destroy the patriarchy, which was the nucleus of the bourgeois family. Now, and now the... And- and Bill, I don't mean to interrupt, but I like to point this out. What's the first one of the first lessons you learn in, in the Bible? I mean, whether you consider yourself a Christian or not, the, the first one of the first lessons is, is would they go after they went after the woman because she's more susceptible to to being persuaded, you know? Well, and then, so there you go. I mean, that that's a light a lesson right there that's always taken lightly. But I mean, if, if you look at that, that should tell you right there. The same goes with what Korskin was saying in you know, nature's law as well. You know, if you have if you have a den of mammals, you know it's not going to uh, it's not going to be the the female, the mother of the of the of mammals not. that are usually going to go out. Yeah, it's... no, of course not. I mean, the lion is the lion, right? I mean, let's be honest. It doesn't matter the role. See, it, it goes back to the same thing. She can go hunt out and get food. It doesn't matter. But the male is the male, and and that structure is there for a purpose. So my 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 point of bringing the patriarchy is because. The patriarchy is not only a traditional structure, it is a really effective structure for our survival. That's why we've had it for so long. And also, I didn't want to get into political structures, but by mentioning patriarchy, even if you don't agree with me, like uh, say, oh, I'm not a monarchist, I'm a national socialist, oh, I'm not a national socialist, I'm whatever. It doesn't matter what you see. If, if you don't agree with patriarchy, um, then your political system is going to be a very horrible system, right? So as long as you agree with patriarchy, whatever comes out of it, it's probably going to be something acceptable. Uh, well, well so even National Socialist Germany recognized the importance of patriarchy. Oh, of course, and, of course. And the, the idea of patriarchy leads to another um, necessary understanding which most people lack, right? And, yeah. and that's that in order to be patriotic, you need a common patriarch. Yeah, you know, a Mexican could be patriotic, but he can't be patriotic with me. He could be patriotic down in Mexico. I don't know which one of his, you know, and when I say Mexican, I mean the traditional mestizo sense, right? And, yeah. and a, a mestizo could be patriotic. I don't know which side of his family he wants to be patriotic on, but he can't be patriotic with me because we don't have a common patriarch. 
Yeah, you, you know, and that boils down to, to the, to, again, to the definition of nationalism. But that's where the word patriotic comes from. It comes from people that were patriotic, defended their own um, sub-race, subculture, family, clan, and, and the people that were part of that unit all had a common patriarch. That's what made them a family or a clan yeah. Or a race in the first place. The pater so, familias, so. right? The pater familias is the core value of uh, of European social structure, right? The idea of the pater becomes from patria, right? Patria and pater are connected. Patriarca, they're all connected in Latin because well, they're the same thing. Absolutely, and and if you 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 want to be patriotic, that's fine, but. If you're not my blood kin, we can't be patriotic together. It's not possible. Exactly. exactly. I mean, it's, it's actually ridiculous exactly. for, for yeah. a Chinaman to claim to move to America and, and claim to be patriotic. I would think that makes him pro-Chinese. Yeah, you know, it doesn't exactly. make him it, it doesn't make him pro-Anglo-Saxon. That's for sure. It, it's ridiculous. Well, well, yeah. um, the Jew. Yeah, you know, and and this the, the identity of the Jew. And this is the, the biggest problem to me with, with, with secular white nationalists, if I must use that term, is that they first, they, that they take for granted that the Jews are the people of the book. And, and second, they totally ignore, well, well they don't want to hear of, of Jewish or Judean history before the time of Christ, so that that's why because they're so ignorant of Judean history before the time of Christ. That's why they take for granted that the Jews are the people of the book. And, and second, they, they think the Jews are white, and they think the Jews are white because many Jews are apparently white, right? They kind of look white on the surface, even though they're not. And, and, and because they think the Jews are white, they think the Jews can be white, when in fact... They're, the only Jews that are white have been adopted. There are no white Jews. They all have mixed with the Mongols. They all have mixed with the Negroes, the Arabs, and they all themselves ultimately are derived from the Canaanite races of Palestine, which were basically mixed from the beginning, that they've never been white. The only reason why some Jews look white is because they have a great amount of white blood through, through their race mixing, which they take with them everywhere. But many Jews are very black, and many Jews are very Arab, yet they still identify themselves racially as Jews. Well, yeah, you got uh, Michelle Obama's first cousin in Chicago. He's the most prominent black-as-night rabbi in uh, running a black all-black synagogue, and they consider themselves Jews down there in Chicago. And, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. The, the yeah, but, but you know, a Jew but, could never be white. No, exactly. And I think that that if if you agree with that, then you have it right, and, and and that's that's the point of that point. In other words, if you agree with that, if you understand that, you have it right. Now, I want to make a point where you were saying, Mike, because we do have a lot of, because I've heard this before. Like for example, the, the the black. I'm not talking about the black Hebrews. I'm talking about like the black dude, like the 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 convert, the black converts that become the Jews, right? But the thing is, those guys go to Israel, and the Jews with the hook nose and the kinky hair, the, the traditional Jews that you can point out in the street, those guys reject them, right? Because to them, they don't racially look like them. So to them, they do have a type, 
that they believe is like the perfect Jew. And I mean, I'm talking, I mean, I have to assume this because it's not like I've sat down with a Jew and said, hey, can you tell me what a perfect Jew is, right? I've never done this before. But I do know what the classic traditional looking Jew is, right? And he's racially foreign. And Jews apparently do have it as well. Because if a Jew sees a black person dressed like a Jew, they'll say, hey, what's going on? Where are you from? Are you a convert? You know, they themselves sometimes kind of shun those characters because although they may try to identify themselves as racially Jews, they never accept convert, converts as real Jews. Well, uh, kind of they're scoring the fact that they're Jews. Also, they're secular Jews, right? You have like atheist Jews, but they still consider themselves Jews, and they look like Jews, and they act like Jews, irrespective of whether or not they have a mystical tradition or not. Well, that's, that's real simple to explain that just on a, on a genetic sense. I mean, they're, they're, race, they're race hijackers, so they're going to obviously want to be – I mean, if you look at the chain of command and racial structures out here, which one are you going to want to be part of? You're going to want to hijack the European races. I mean, that's just obvious. So when you see within the – I mean, they're, they're, their whole inception is mixed to begin with. They're obviously going to want as much white genes in in their bloodlines as possible. They're not going to. Oh, they they want some you know, uh, dung hut African to be part of their gene pool for you know. They <laughs> want to be able. Yeah, it's just. It's, it's, you know, so I find it's funny because you see a lot of these anti-Zionist, anti-racist types, and they'll subscribe to this idea that anybody that's an Ashkenazi Jew is just white or Khazar. But somehow the brown and the black skin, uh, what do they call them, um, the Ethiopian Jews and all this, they'll, they'll subscribe to them as being the people of the Old Testament, like because they're they're just anti-white still is what it is, you know. So they'll, you know, yeah, not even getting off in the black Hebrew Israelite crowd, but just the anti-Zionist crowd in general. And it it's funny because it's it's still this uh, this anti-white crowd because they don't want to accept the hierarchies that there is no egalitarianism between these races that they're be, they're still biting into. But that, that, yeah, I mean, but, yeah, that, that completely explains why, why you'll see like recently in Israel, they had a, um, a, a big thing where they were, you know, ex- exporting blacks out of there, you know, and everybody's going, Oh, look at the racist <laughs> Ashkenazis. Well, of course they don't want them. Yeah. The no, Chinese don't not. want them. The Japanese don't want them. I mean, they, yeah, yeah, they know where the, the chain of command goes. <laughs> They know the chain of command, but, for example, if you have a Jew that calls himself a Buddhist, and this happens all the time, I still know he's a Jew by looking at him. It doesn't matter if he calls himself a Buddhist, right? But if a white person calls himself a Buddhist or he calls himself whatever, I'll still know that he's white. The point is that Jews obviously are a race. You can distinguish them. Of course, there's ones that have so much white blood, and, and... a lot of these women there are Jews. They do plastic surgery to, to change their hook noses. This is a fact. I mean, if you just Google. <laughs> no, no, this is a reality. Google, because all the time in Skype, people send me, hey, you're the, the mastermind of identifying Jews. How about this Jew, right? They're trying to trick me. Is yeah, you can go to uh, uh, jewishspaces.org is a real good website for that. But, yeah, yeah you look at what's this uh, this new age Madonna pop singer, this whore out there, um, Lady Gaga. She's a perfect example of that. I mean, she had a big, yeah. huge hook nose. <laughs> yeah, but they change her faces. So of course, if you change your faces constantly, you do uh, surgery. Well, you you can try to you know like uh, you know <laughs> change your face, right? I can put a mask on too. But my point is, traditionally speaking, you can identify Jews racially. So therefore, a white nationalist has to see Jews as a race and as aliens, um, and then all the implications of that, right? But they cannot be part of our nation because they're as alien as uh, some African or whatever. And if a white nationalist doesn't see it that way, 
uh, irrespective of how he defines it, if he doesn't see Jews in, in that fashion, then he cannot be an effective white nationalist, and I cannot trust him because he's obviously going to, going to, in one point, he's going to stab me in the back. Well, yeah, well he can't be a he can't be a white nationalist at all. Never mind effective exactly. because exactly. He, exactly. he is seeking to to favor a, an alien race, which has always been hostile, not only to Christianity. But but to all white nations, what where what whatever their religion has been, well, and the, and, and, exactly. and the whole generic sense of white nationalism too. If you don't understand the root of the problem, which is the antithesis to white nationalism, then how could you call yourself that? You know. Yeah, it's very. Well, well, if you don't understand the problem, it's, it, but, but it goes even more to it. The point is, that they are not. In other words, they are literally a foreign entity, and they're outside. So therefore, they're outside of our ethnos, right? They're outside, and they're outside of every ethnic group in Europe, and they're outside the race of Europe, right? The, 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 the white race, which is a generic term, but we have to use it because it's a, a, we're speaking generically. They're alien to it, and you cannot simply convert them. You cannot simply accept them. You cannot teach them how to, to our character because they do not have our character because their character is antithetical to our character. Period. It doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter the explanation that you have for it. You can have multiple explanations. You can have biological explanations. You can have uh, theological explanations. But the point is, the white nationalist has to see them as outsiders and as un, uh, incapable of merging with our society. If you agree with that, then I, I would, I would, I would say, well, you have that point. You're, you're with us in that, in that concept. Oh, okay. okay. I, I have to say that it's and, and I, I drill I, I drill on this subject a lot and and it because it's disturbing to me that there are white nationalists that accept Jews as white and and that's a huge mistake and there are many white nationalists who know better and do not accept Jews as white and, and that's very good and, and most of those white nationalists also realize that the Jews have been infiltrators of, and, and subverters of all white societies. And, and they've infiltrated and subverted all white societies throughout all of observable history. Now, I don't expect most white nationalists to be students of, of the Hebrew Bible, students of the ancient you know, Mesopotamian literature, or, or students of, of the Greco-Roman classics. However, it's obvious to me, and, and I have read most, uh, you know, great large parts of all of that literature, uh, if not most of it, that, that um, the Jews have been subverters and infiltrators. The people we know as Jews today, let me qualify that, have been subverters and infiltrators of all white nations in ancient times, from the earliest times. And the biggest disappointment that I have, and, and the horse mailer letter that I received from, from um, Carolyn Yeager today it is a, a, a stark example of that. 
the biggest disappointment which I had, and I won't get into the horse mailer letter today because it's already getting late, but, but the biggest disappointment I have with white nationalists is that they understand the treachery of the Jew. They understand how in modern times and all throughout modern times in recent history, the Jew has subverted, infiltrated, and subverted nation after nation after nation, yet they take it for granted that the Jews are telling the truth about their identity in the past. They take it for granted that the people of the Hebrew Bible are Jews. And, and that's simply not true. The Jews of today have no relationship at all to the Hebrews of the, of, of the Christian Bible. And, yeah. and that, to me, is a huge disconnect on the part of white nationalists because they won't go back and examine the evidence, and, and they insist, sometimes they defend the identity of Jews with the Hebrew Bible. And, and David Duke and, and Horst Mailer and, and Germar Rudolph and, and nationalist after nationalist after nationalist are guilty of this. Yeah, I, I, I've always found that to be an oxymoron too. Like, okay, so they Jews did 9-11, the Holocaust is, is a lie. These people are, you know, the central bankers. They run the media. They see through all these lies, and then they go to the biggest one. Like Hitler said, they'll believe the big lie, right? And, and so at this level of knowledge, that is the big lie. And so I would, I would be more comfortable with someone just writing off Christianity and saying it was fake other than honoring the Jews and believing them for saying that they're the people of the Old Testament. You know, and I, I, I always, I like, I always I like to point out that – yeah, I actually agree with exactly what you just said, which is interesting. It's an mm-hmm. interesting way of, uh, of phrasing it. That, that there's one thing is to basically say, um, you know what, um, um, I, I, I just don't care. And the other thing is to say, no, I, I believe Jews. Jews know what the hell they're talking about. I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like there's two, there's two completely different uh, approaches to it. And I, I agree with what you're saying. It's interesting. Yeah, and it's just, you know, and I would like for someone to at least take the opportunity to look at the information and at least digest it, come up with their own opinion of it. But it's like they hit that roadblock, and, and quite frankly, you're buried in this stuff, whether you, you consider yourself an atheist growing up all your life or whatever have you. You're buried in this Judeo-Christianity where you're hammered, even more so than the Holocaust, even more so than anything else. Jews are God's chosen children. And so you'll find these, like, like Bill was saying, you'll find these people that are white nationalists and even some quote-unquote leaders in the white nationalist quote-unquote movement that will, will honor this idea that the Jews are the Old Testament people. It's but, like, can I, can I, but can I say something, if you guys don't mind, can I, can I uh, say something about that, which I think is interesting, which is sure. that, and, and I think Bill, I've spoken with, this, with Bill before about this, which I think is uh, fascinating, which is if... The majority of white nationalists, the majority of people in general, um, and I'm just assuming the, the discourse, right? I'm just saying, let's, let's go with this line. Uh, the majority of white nationalists in general despise Christianity, let's say not all of them, but some of them do, because they're defining it as Judeo-Christianity, right? And, and as Bill said it once, I don't remember where, they said, well, legitimately, if you define Christianity in that fashion, you have to hate it. It's legitimate to hate it, right? Um, which is absolutely true, right? So this, this, this conception of minimizing, of, of, of resuming, basically, what white nationalism, both, works both ways. If a person calls themselves a Christian, but they don't agree with this basic racial reality, with the basic Jewish issue, then therefore they're not white nationalists either. In other words, it, it, it works both ways because most Christians are basically what you would 
call mainstream Christians. And most mainstream Christians would disagree with almost every single point that I mentioned. Maybe patriarchy, they would allow it, right? But the rest, they would consider to be crazy and evil, right? So those guys deserve to be shunned. So a lot of white nationalists that may reject a lot of these issues, they have in their mind traditional Christianity, Mormonism, you know, Jehovah Witnesses, that type of thing, right? So in that context, it is legitimate to reject it because what they're rejecting is basically egalitarianism. Well, you know, this type of hippie Christianity is what I mean. Well, you're, you're spot on and partly that's kind of off in a sense. There's nobody that hates Judeo-Christianity more than somebody in CI. Let's put it that way. We understand it. When you understand the tenets of CI, you understand that Judeo-Christianity is one of your biggest enemies out there. Now, I completely agree with you that when, they, when white nationalists talk about Christians and they see what mainstream Christians are, um, that, that is to be hated. I mean, what they treat, teach and preach is, is absolutely the, en- the enemy of what all of us here are, are speaking about. But there's a mistake there in calling them Christians. Now, it's a great analogy to calling them Christians is what we were talking about earlier with nationalism. It would be calling a Somalian a German because they're in Germany now. It's this skewed line that what a definition of a Christian is is not, I'm saved by Jesus now, I'm a Christian. Oh, I live in Germany now, I'm a German. And that's the rhetoric that needs to stop and at least... That's why I said these these people outside that bash CI a lot, and and I'm totally soft and open to you know making associations with people that don't agree with CI or whatever have you. But I at the same time I don't tolerate somebody's ignorance to speak against it when they you know they bash and and they, like I said they honor that the Jews are the Old Testament people. Look what they wrote in there. You know it's like well hold on a second here. So that that would be a good analogy that I would like to make to somebody when they when they no, say no, it well is, it is. It is a legitimate way of seeing it, but that's my point. My point is that, for example, I, mm-hmm. um, I, for example, when I meet someone, it doesn't matter what they classify themselves, right? And this mm-hmm. is the, the bill and me we're talking about, that the, 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 the branding of yourself is irrelevant. You can, you can brand yourself anything, but the, but the branding is irrelevant because you can brand yourself a Mormon but act like a Catholic, whatever, right? I mean, the, the, the people brand themselves whatever, national socialist, but they're really acting like communists. I mean, the, 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 <laughs> issue, the issue of self-labeling is insane, right? And, and it's very subjective. Unfortunately, we live in a world where anyone can become anything, and, and people feel entitled to, to, to claim titles for themselves that are completely meaningless. So based on this, this premise, we have a problem because people call themselves whatever. So usually if I meet you and you say I'm CI, I usually ignore that issue and I go straight, okay, let me ask you a question. Do you believe this, 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 this? If, if, if we, by ta- talking to the person, I realize that he agrees with me and I, should, I don't really care too much about any other issue um, personally uh, because I may have another view, another definition. But to me, the most important thing is that we agree on these basic issues. And whether or not you call yourself a Mormon or you call yourself a CI, if you agree with the racial issue and a lot of these things that I pointed out, then um, I, give more, I give more importance to that. And that's why I think it's crazy to, to go out of your way to criticize, to bash people within our movement, right? And this boat works in every direction just because you disagree on certain aspects, right? So that's the reason I've never, never gone out of my way to start insulting Oh, um, you know what? Um, these CIs are crazy because of that. Oh, these Waltonists are insane for this reason. Or I only will criticize these basic issues. If they don't agree with these basic issues, I'll, I'll criticize them because I think they're, they're problematic. But, but past that, 
um, I don't get into it because I think it's counterproductive. There's no point. If you agree with the basics at these very primal issues, right, then there's no point uh, in me getting into it. Yeah, I would, well, well, I, would, me, I would have to agree with most, pretty much almost all of that. Well, let me say that, you know, it, it's... um. It, it turns me off. It makes me hostile. I, I consider myself pretty adept at, at ancient writings and, and um, absolutely confident in my persuasion concerning Christianity and its origins. And they are not Jewish. And, and when I encounter a white nationalist who does not respect that, who has not studied those things, and none of them have, I'll tell you, no secular white nationalist has studied the origins of Christianity and and and, um, and and the nature of the people of the Old Testament. None of them have that I've ever seen. Now, now um, when I encounter a white nationalist and, and inform him of my belief in the Aryan origins of Christianity, and I'm scoffed at, well, well, that that just makes me want to punch him, right? I, I mean, that's that that's <laughs> to, to me that's totally absolutely disrespectful because he's scoffing at something yeah. that I attest that I've studied and he obviously has not studied, right? And, and that's totally disrespectful, and and that's a huge problem in all of my encounters with white nationalists when when they they, they want to do that. And and not all of them have done that. I, I mean, I've always gotten along with Odinists who who have talked to me about history and Christianity. And, and even though, even in cases where I did not persuade them to be Christians, they've always um, respected me for the most part. And, and they haven't scoffed at, at my findings, right? Well, well um, it, it does go the other way, and you're right that the um, Christians often automatically dismiss nationalists, who, white nationalists who are not Christians, and, and that should not be done either. And, and that's because and, and the, the Christian admonition is the loved one's brother. And Christian identists accept that word brother in its, with its proper meaning, that it means a, a racial kinsman, right? So if the Christian admonition is the love well, well, Christ asks Christians to keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And then he says that, you know, the final um, commandment, his last commandment, which he gave us is to love our brother. And he does not say, love your brother if he keeps, you know, if he believes me or if he professes me, that there's no, um, that there's no conditions in the words of Christ, which are hinged on that, Christians should love all white people first. And that is the Christian admonition to love one's brother, regardless of whether or not they believe what you believe, because Christian identists accept that term brother as in, in its proper definition as a racial kinsman. So, so basically, the commandment to love our brother carries its weight whether or not that brother happens to be a Christian. And, and we have to understand that. And, and um, a lot of the Christian identists fail at that. That yet, you know, the Catholic um, definition of brother is anybody who believes like you do. But that's not the Greek definition of the word Adelphus. 
the Greek definition of the word Adelphus allows for its meaning only, you know, it's referring only to a racial kinsman, not to somebody who believes like you do. So, so even Christian identists want to sometimes um, use that Catholic definition when it's to their advantage, right? We, we can't, well, we have to be white first and, and, and um, love our brother as Christ told us to, whether or not he's a Christian. Now, now, it's great when all whites are Christians in the eyes of a Christian, but, but, and, and, and that's an ideal, right? It's an ideal that we're never going to achieve in this world. But we're never going to achieve it. And, and in the eyes of a Christian, we're not going to achieve that until the return of Christ, right? So, so we have to love our brother first, whether or not they're Christian. But, on the other hand, white nationalists should not despise Christians and yet, you know, the moral foundation of Europe for 2,000 years has been Christianity. And, and we should, white nationalists should not despise Christians because they follow Jews, because that's simply not true. And, and if the white nationalist doesn't want to take the time to understand that, then that's the white nationalist problem. Yeah, I agree. And it's also, what you, the, the words you said about respect is crucial. I think that if, if we ever uh, believe in achieving anything, uh, respect is crucial, especially when we're talking about respect our own people, right? I mean, there is, you have to respect. And, and for example, I'm a traditionalist, so I do believe in things like if I visit your home, I have to respect your rules in your home, right? I don't go into your home and start insulting you and telling you you're an idiot or whatever, right? I mean, because, because that, is not tra- that is not the traditional European view of respect. Respect literally means that I go into your home and I respect your home. That's it. And I respect my host. And this is the traditional way of seeing things. And, and this, is, this is something the Europeans have done for, for a long time, right? This is not like a, something new. Some, this is something that we have historically done when people invite us to their home. We go in with respect. We, we have humility, etc. These are basic values, right? And I believe in those values. And, and for that reason, I could not go into someone's home if the person, Mike tells me, oh, this is my home, and before we, we do this, I have to respect them. I can't just start insulting him and saying, ah, oh, what the hell are you? Are you crazy? And give me, you know, you know make me another steak. You know, <laughs> you know I, I can't do this, and white nationalists suffer from this because they, they, it, we tend to be very tribal ideologically. So therefore, if you don't agree 100% with what I'm saying, then you're nuts in some way. And, and that's the reason I criticize uh, that perspective because it is insane. You don't gain anything from it because you absolutely don't. I mean, if I call a guy and he's a, he's a uh, CI or I call a guy, he's a wilderness, and I go to his home and start insulting him and his family, his beliefs, then I'm not respecting him. And part of respect is to listen and to – and we can have a discussion, but I'm not going to disrespect him um, in his own home, and, 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 and I'm not going to disrespect him in general. Um, so this is something of values, too, and a lot of, our, uh, a lot of people in the movement just don't have traditional values, unfortunately. That's absolutely true, and that's always been my, my thing, too. You know, it's like in the circles that I have, you know, my team speaking such, it's, it's the golden rule. Like, look, I'm not going to push CI. Don't bash CI. I won't bash yours. Don't bash mine. We agree on these general topics, and that's great. Let's push forward now. And, uh, yeah, you know, and, that's, we can, and we can also discuss the issues. But the point is, you have to discuss those issues with respect. The problem is, a lot of people don't discuss with respect. They they offend, and, and the issue of the brotherhood is important. I mean, and chastise. Yeah, exactly. If I'm with my brother, I'm going to have an opinion. Look, there's things that you that I that I believe are correct, 
that may be correct, may be incorrect, that you will maybe agree and disagree. But the point is, if we treat each other with respect, we can usually communicate and finish everything like brothers and be fine, right? Brothers fight sometimes, but at the end of the day, we're still brothers. That's the way that I'd like to see it. So I can have a very interesting discussion about a bunch of crazy stuff, but at the end of the day, we still have to end up with the same family, right? So that's the way I'd like to see it. Now, now to your six points, Corsican, I have to add one more point, and, and that's uh-huh. morality. That, that's morality. You, you can't have a coherent white nationalism without morality. Well, the interesting is how do you define morality? Well, well you define morality, well, well, basically we've defined morality in, in European culture for 1,700 years along Christian principles. However, even um, pagan Roman culture defined morality roughly along those same principles. And, and that could be proven by, by yeah. opening up a copy of Tacitus and, and reading Germania, what, where, 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 he was, um, what, where he was scoffing at homosexuality and immorality. And, and there's, that there is evidence all over the classics at, at men who scoffed at immorality. You, you can't be a... Um, you can't, I don't believe you could be a white nationalist and be a homosexual. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. No, I agree with that. Um, the, the, I, that's the reason I, I added patriarchy because I thought that maybe patriarchy could be a way of imposing the, the, the social pressure on homosexuality because, of course, homosexual is like the most unpatriarchal freak in the planet, if you think about it. He's like the most, the opposite of patriarchy. It's a man wanted to be a woman and he's a pervert, right? I mean, it's like the opposite of it. Um, the, the only reason I didn't add morality, but the, that's the reason I brought it to you, because I wanted to, I know you're going to have a perspective, especially on the issue of morality, is how you define morality, because to some people, for example, I was having this discussion in TeamSpeak, was that morality would include, um, for example, like di- dietary laws, for example. And, and I, would, I would have an issue with that, because that's a very particular if I start defining morality that way, then that means that I'm basically a, a, a eliminating a lot of people from the white nationalist movement because automatically I'm, I'm adding concepts of morality that are limited or specific. Whereas you can have a concept of morality which is basically encased within the racial issue, encased within the issue of patriarchy, encased within the issue of race mixing, encased, you know what I mean, without having to necessarily point out which, or maybe that would be the way to actually make a point saying, these are the basic moral tenets, right? That type of thing. Like, um, well, right, but the basic moral tenets, even the even if, and I I I don't um, I don't agree with the thought, right? Even if the Odinist God wasn't my God, right? Mm-hmm. The the basic moral tenets of the Ten Commandments, the Ten Christian Commandments are not out of reach for any white nationalist and, and should actually be obeyed by every white nationalist. That they have to. I, I mean, do not commit adultery. Do not covet your neighbor's wife. Do not steal. Do not murder. Do not, you know, those basic moral precepts should be the foundation of every white civil white society. And I'd just well, like I mean, to I add a little think, keynote. Yeah, I that think most of them had it, yeah. And it was murder, not kill. There was no, a lot of the Catholics well, like the switch that to kill. kill. Yeah. Absolutely. It's murder, not kill. That's why well, I, mean, I, if, I if, Yeah, if you read the Havamal, right, um, in, um, in the, you know, in the folk tales of the Norse, right, and if you read the, the Code of Manu, right, a lot of these documents have these, these same very basic uh, premises of, uh, of how whites should get along with each other, right? Yeah, um, it's actually course, pretty good yeah. to have it all. It's pretty good. 
Yeah, yeah, Avon was pretty good. And 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 you have a lot of these these uh, and also the, the the Roman. If you look at Roman pagans, they had a, a structure as well. Um, you also had obviously like in everywhere. You also had Christian uh, uh, degenerates. But you also had <laughs> degenerates, whatever. But the point is that the basics of it, right, um, are still there. The issue is how to. The issue would be how white nationalists um, would codify it, but I think that's even irrelevant because you could just say, you can just use the term morality in general, and I think without necessarily having to go into the details of it, most whites understand what the hell that means, right? Well, well, let me say that I, I've met a lot of white people in my life who did not pretend to be Christians, right? Or, or they did not profess to be Christians. And they were better Christians than a lot of the Christians that I've met in my life because... Mm-hmm that they naturally followed, as a re, in, in the course of their daily behavior, they naturally followed sound moral precepts like the precepts which are found in the Christian commandments, even if they didn't realize it. And, yeah, and the bottom line is that they were better Christians than a lot of Christians I've known who consistently break those commandments but go to church on Sunday. And Christ says that, yeah, you know, Christ says that these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Well, well that describes not only the Jews, but the Judeo-Christian. And I know Judeo-Christians who go to church on Sunday, spend the rest of the day worshiping niggers running up and down a football field. That, that they, they lie, cheat, steal, and screw each other's wives all week. They go to church on Sunday, and, and they dress up in their suit and look pious, and they claim to be Christians. Should we honor those people as Christians? Certainly not. We should not honor those people as Christians. But if we see a moral man who, who does not do those things and, and who respects his fellow white man, and, and especially a nationalist who loves his fellow white man, or, or at least um, expresses his affections through his actions and, and um, doesn't screw his brother's wife and, and lie and cheat and steal, against other white men well well that man is he's expressing the 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 laws written in his heart what which god had promised to our race to well three thousand years ago and and he's living a christian life even though he does not yeah you know does not express label and he's a better christian than than a church i've met a lot of people like that in my life that, that, that they're good moral people, even if they don't know why they should be Christians or even if because they feel that they should not be Christians because of the Jewish stigmatism, so they profess other religions, yet in their actions, and it's your actions that count. It's not your words that count. Christ said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Christ did not say, if you love me, run around telling everybody that they have to love Jesus too. He didn't say that. If you love me, keep my commandments. Yes, all Christians should worship and honor their God. But Christ did not say, if you love me, run around and force Jesus down everybody's throats. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And the final commandment that I give to you is to love your brother. And Christians have to learn to... to um, to, to decipher and discriminate between the true Christian in action, whether or not he professes it, and the artificial um, Christian in, in word who, who then goes and, and shuns all of those commandments and, and is not a moral person. 
so, so yeah, you know, the, the, I, I mean, we could have another program on what is a Christian, right? But, but the bottom line is that Christians should love their brother. And, and I, I've caught some flack in the chat about saying that Christians should love their brother whether they're Christian or not. And, and I'd like to respond to that flack. Basically, Paul of Tarsus told his people in his assemblies to stay with their wives or stay with their husbands, even if they were unbelievers that they were still to continue loving their wife or their husband so long as that wife or husband would still have them. And we are to love our brother even if he does not profess to be a Christian. There's no, there's no hinge on that instruction of Christ. There's, nothing, there's no conditions on that instruction which Christ gave Christians. We're to love our brother first. Now it says that we're to shun those who teach men to break his commandments. In other words, and, and that should be um, without saying in society that if people are running around teaching your kin to break those moral commandments, of course you should shun those people. Of course you should eject them from your community. And, and, and that's, um, you know, Christian practice it is, um, it is much different than the the, the uh, a sound Christian practice is much different than the Judeo-Christian perception that even a lot of Christian identists cling to. Yeah, Bill, but wouldn't that be basically the same as we were talking about civic nationalism? Wouldn't that be like civic Christianity? In other words, if you declare yourself a member of the tribe of Christians, then therefore you are a Christian, and if you don't declare yourself a member of that tribe, then suddenly you are not. And and, and, that's, and that's completely different than actually being which is what you're describing through action, not necessarily through well, well, right. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah well, that right. would be civic. That would be like civic Christianity. That would mean that hey, it doesn't matter what I do, as long as you call your, you label yourself this way, you suddenly by magic uh, become a member of the of the community type of thing. Well, well, right. Christians should the lines have to be racial first, and they have to be racial first. Now within the bounds of that race. If you want to set an example by glorifying your God, that then you're a good Christian. But it has to be within the the racial boundary first, and then within the moral boundary, and, and then you, you fellowship with fellow Christians. But you don't despise the people who aren't sure whether or not they should be Christians, or, or who do not openly profess Christianity. You don't despise people simply for that reason if they're your racial kinsmen. That now, denying that, that Yahshua is the Christ, and, and yet, you know, we can't expect all of our brethren to have the knowledge and understanding that we have by, by some wave of a magic wand. And, and that goes, you know, that's the fault of our educational system today. The whole world is deceived. By, by the devil, right? I mean, the whole world lies under the power of the devil. All of our racial kinsmen, and, and many of us, are, 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 um, are, are still bearing that deception. And, and that's, yet, you know, the Jew has, has basically made sure that we were all miseducated, these past, miseducated, and, and, well, miseducated is next, miseducated <laughs> these last 200 years, right? Yeah, if you didn't see it that way, right, um, then it would mean that you are rejecting the, the, the basis of race 
the sake of ideology. That's really what it would mean, because it would mean that you would say, oh, you're white, but I don't care about that, because I care more about the label that I'm applying to myself than about the race. If you put race first, then that comes first. And, and then the, the, the other elements are ancillary to that, but race is the focus, right? That's the reason, I, that's the reason that, that race is so important, because race is the core issue. Uh, if you shun the racial aspect for the sake of ideological um, definitions or theological definitions, then you're shunning race. And that's the reason why so many Christians have fallen into the liberal camp in which if, uh, if they're, they're literally their brother, literally, doesn't accept, uh, is not evangelical, but some nigger in the corner is, then the nigger suddenly is his brother, right? That is the problem. <laughs> that is a, a huge issue, right? So uh, that's why race is so important to, to have as the core value. Well, well, right. I believe that race has to come first, and and morals have to be. You know, you can't accept somebody of your race who's immoral. A Christian can never be forced to do that. If somebody is um, shunning the moral laws of God, and 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 they are the moral laws that would be accepted throughout any decent white society, that then is somebody shunning and and breaking those moral laws. A Christian can never be forced to accept that person and I would never um not never expect him to. But but any white man who is a moral man, no matter the profession of his lips, it, it's his actions that are more important. And, and I would not shun that man as long as he did not shun me. And that's yeah, you know, race has to come first. I agree 100%. <laughs> I do. So, so white nationalists, and, and the point is that white nationalists and, and identity Christians have a lot more in common than they realize, but they have to um, that they have to overlook some of the differences in ideology, and that they have to um, be them. able be able to agree to disagree on certain things. And that's the basis upon which this country was created when the Constitution was formed, right? The Constitution is not... Uh, a lot of um, idiots like Ted Whelan like to confuse the Constitution as a substitution for God's law, and it, it was never meant to be that. All the U.S. Constitution was ever meant to be was a pact that allowed men to basically agree to disagree, that they were going to operate this state for the benefit of the people and that that state would operate in a way that allowed the diverse peoples that, that um, the, the, the people of diverse persuasions, I should say, who formed this nation at the beginning to um, conduct themselves within the, the guideline of that state. And, and that's, uh, I mean, it's pretty simple. It was simply a, a, a compact so that men could agree to disagree. That, that's the basis upon which America was formed originally, and, and it's, of course, been corrupted since then. But nationalists and, and identity Christians have to learn uh, on both accounts to be white first and to reject anybody who's not white as white, because accepting Jews as white is automatically self-destructive. No, automatically that means you're not a white nationalist, because you don't, that, that would mean... That you don't understand race, racial reality, which you know it would automatically mean that you don't respect the white race as unique, and it would autom automatically mean that you're not seeing history 
uh, from a racial perspective, and it would mean that you don't understand that racial mixing is genocide. So he's basically completely out of the loop by just re rejecting that perspective. <laughs> Well, well, I hope we laid some kind of groundwork or framework to for um, well, well for, for for identity Christians to understand white nationalists, and and hopefully for some white nationalists to understand identity Christians. I mean, that that's pretty difficult because they 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 because of 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 a lot of their prejudices against the Hebrew Bible and their association of it with Jews. Well, well, on the other hand, they that many of them accept Jews as white, so I just don't get that either. It's a total disconnect. <laughs> yeah, okay, but I think, well, I think yeah, things been yeah, I think it's been very effective. So I think uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great um, it's a great baseline to um, to understand the, the the white nationalist movement. Understand how people from different uh, different perspectives are still still have to put race first and, and have these very very simple basics to be able to be part of uh, the movement. So I think it was great. Well, well, right, and 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 maybe this will be the. Uh, I hope this will be the start of a of a further dialogue in the future, and and, um, and more conversation. I know some identity Christians are going to misunderstand some of the things I said here tonight, and, and probably criticize me for it. I really don't care about that, right? But but that's just <laughs> it, 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 it's hard to open your mouth and, and reach uh, the racial conciliation that we really need, and. Um, Yep. Yeah, you know, Christianity. Yeah, you know, Christian, true Christianity doesn't really care about numbers. But what we should care about is giving all of our racial kinsmen the the opportunity to see that our love for our own race and our moral um, standards, or or our moral, you know, the demands that we make to be a moral society are the shining light on a hill, right? Uh, I mean, that's important, to give them all the opportunity to do that, and and, um, and and then they could make their own minds up. That's the way I look at it. If we want to be the shining city on a hill, we have to be able to, um, to, to reach all our brethren and set the example and give them the opportunity to accept or reject that example. Absolutely. Yeah, Okay, well, Mike and, and and Severus, thank you very much for joining me here tonight, and and um, praise Yahweh. I will be here Friday night. Um, God willing, I'll be here from Panama City, Florida, and I'll be presenting Luke chapter five next week. Saturday program is to be announced. There's a couple of possibilities, and, and I'm not sure which one it'll be yet. Praise Yahweh. Good night. Thank you, gentlemen. Good night.